A Wish in the Dark by Christina Soon Tornvat. Chapter 12. When Nock Sivapan climbed out of the carriage in the village of Tanabury, she didn't recognize Pong at all. Having regular meals had filled out his once hollow cheeks, and he was three inches taller than her now. That sticking up hair of his had been shaved off, and his monk's robes also helped to hide him. Nock, on the other hand, had just grown into an older version of the sharp-eyed girl who Pong remembered visiting Nam Wan from time to time. She hadn't sprouted up the way he had. She was small, though her regular spire-fighting practice kept her strong. Her hair was still chopped straight across the shoulders, and she wore the same worry, serious gaze. Even if Pong hadn't been dressed as a young monk in training, Nock would probably have glossed over him. She was distracted. Her family rarely traveled outside of Chatana City, and the small mountain village was a curious sight. They had left the twins at home and had taken a barge downriver to the base of the mountain, where they had boarded a horse-drawn carriage. Horses! Her mother had gasped when the carriage rolled up to the dock. She lifted her sleeve to cover her nose against the musky green smell. Haven't you told them who you are? They should send an orb-powered coach for someone in your position. Nock's father sighed. They don't have orb coaches this far from the city. We'll be inside. You won't have to smell anything. At that, one of the horses lifted its tail and plopped out a contradiction to his statement. Nock offered her mother her arm to help her into the carriage. The driver clucked once and they began to roll slowly forward. Nock's mother patted the sweat off her nose with a handkerchief and looked worriedly, worried, worriedly out the window. We'll never get there by nightfall at this rate. I told you we should have left earlier. I don't want to be caught in the country in the darkness. Nock's father reached over and patted her knee. It couldn't be helped. There's only one barge that stops at Tanabury, and we were on it. We can stop at the temple and still get to our house with plenty of time to spare. Don't call it our house, said Nock's mother, pushing his hand away. It's a rental, one without running water, don't forget. It's the nicest house on the mountain, said Nock's father patiently, sneaking a smile at Nock, the one reserved for visiting officials. Besides, what can we do? It's the country. They don't have the same luxuries that we do in Chitana, though that should change after this visit. The family was in Tanabury because someone from the Commission on Law and Light Regulation had finally noticed that no one in the village had ever bought an orb. At least there was no record of anyone from Tanabury visiting one of the charge stations where most of the country people could purchase small amounts of light from the vast stores produced by the governor. Were the villagers using fire? Nock's father had no interest in making rests, but he did plan to give the village leaders a talking to. Sure, Tanabura was a scrap of a town with one school and a tiny temple, but they still had to follow the same rules as everyone else. It was high time that someone official educated the poor villagers on the benefits of orbs and the powers of the governor. That was one part of the reason Nock's father had decided to come. Part, but not all, as Nock knew well. Imagine, grumbled her mother, the governor's own law commissioner going to the bathroom in an outhouse. If we wanted that sort of treatment, we could have stayed in a slum on the east side. 
Nock listened to her parents go back and forth about how short or long their visit to Tanabury would be. Outside the window, the fields of tall sugarcane gave way to lined rows of papaya orchards and then to forest as the carriage slowly rumbled up the mountain road. If her parents would have stopped chattering, it would have been very quiet. Nock liked it quiet, and this would have been a peaceful and pleasant outing if she didn't know why she was there. But she did know, even though her parents had worked hard to keep it hidden. Like most parents, Knox were terrible at keeping secrets from their children. For example, they never told Knox or her siblings when their father was switching jobs, and if they did, they always called it a promotion, even when everyone knew it was no such thing. A promotion should have meant more money and more prestige, not less. The first promotion happened four years ago, when Knox was nine and her father was still warden of Namwon. A boy disappeared from the prison that year, and it was a complete mystery what happened to him. Another little boy had sworn he had seen the missing child climb the mango tree onto a branch out over the river. Maybe he fell in. The child's disappearance was ruled a drowning, but everyone had whispered about Nock's father behind his back. What kind of warden lets a child slip through his fingers? The incident brought the prison under review. The governor's officials looked into the record books and found that Nock's father ran Namwon half-heartedly. He hardly spent any time there, as if he didn't want, even want the job in the first place. So Nock's father was promoted to a desk job at the courthouse. Nock thought the quiet courthouse was actually perfect for him. He liked to read and study and be by himself. He belonged behind a desk, not running a big operation like a prison. He could have been happy there if Nock's mother had let him. But courthouse lawyers don't make good salaries. Nock's brother was at an expensive university. Her sisters, the twins, would join Nock at private school soon. So Nock's mother wheedled and cut deals with her society friends, and by a sheer miracle, she landed Nock's father an even better gig, chief law commissioner. He had no staff and few responsibilities, just touring around the province and checking the court record books. Best of all, it came with a fat paycheck. Knox's family moved to a bigger house in one of the West Side's best neighborhoods. Her mother was back on the invite list for fancy parties. With everything going so well for the family, her parents should have been happy. But something was the matter. Knox's mother had been watching her. Even now, as the carriage creeped creaked slowly up the mountain, Nock could feel her mother looking, her eyes disappointed and full of sadness. It was as though Nock had done something wrong, but that was impossible. She'd never once in her life done anything wrong. Nock was the perfect daughter. That wasn't bragging, not when it had been such hard work. She was at the top of her class at school, beating every other girl her year by miles, and last month she had won the citywide Spire Fighting Championship for her age group. Everyone from the city had come to watch the competition. That was when Nock noticed her mother's stare for the first time. It had been the best night of Nock's life. Her opponent was a tall boy with a loud mouth named Bull. More like Mouse, thought Nock as she swept her leg behind his knee and toppled him backward onto the mat. He sprang back to his feet quickly, his staff ready to strike. But Nock could see the uncertainty in his eyes, the horror that he was about to get beaten by someone smaller than him in front of everyone he knew. She, on the other hand, was the quickest she'd ever been. It was as though she had seen his movement seconds before he made them. She blocked his attacks easily, holding her staff steady while he quivered with every clack. 
Nock felt the strength of all her years of training surging through her muscles, gathering into her core in a ball of energy. Bull staggered back from one of her blocks, and she knew the time had come to finish him off. She raised her staff and brought one end down hard onto the floor, performing a feat that no one except the most skilled spire-fighting masters could do. The ball of energy flowed through her arm, into her hand, and down the staff. It radiated out, shook the floor, and threw Bull off his feet and onto his back. The force of the blow blew back the hair of the spectators in the first three rows. The crowd sat shocked, in shocked silence for two heartbeats, and then they jumped to their feet, roaring her name. Later, Knox stood between her parents, holding the trophy, feeling both drained and giddy, while her father's colleagues came up to congratulate them. "'Thank you, thank you,' said her father, shaking their hands. "'Wasn't she amazing?' "'Yes, she's worked so hard for this, so hard. She trains for hours every day.' Nock almost laughed. She had never seen her father so talkative. His glasses sat skewed on his nose, and he was smiling so big she could see his molars. Good fight, little Nock, said one of his friends from work. You're making your parents so proud. Yes, a hard worker just like your father, said another, patting her shoulder, and his spitting image too. Nock had quickly looked down at her feet to discourage more comparisons. No one could deny she had inherited her strong chin and dimples from her father. Nock's older brother and her sisters also shared those traits. But they looked like their mother, too, slim as herons, with long limbs and graceful fingers. Nock, on the other hand, was short, with muscles thickened from all the spire-fighting practice. Perhaps she resembles some distant relative, other family members had started to say, far back in the bloodline. Yes, far back, her mother had said, so far back that no one need bother looking. But her mother was looking, looking all the time and thinking something Nock could only guess at. And then, a few nights before they were to leave for Tannabury, Nock had overheard her parents talking as she lay in bed. Her father's voice was low, a steady hum, hum and there was a higher pitch sound that she didn't recognize. Nock got up from her bed and tiptoed out of the room and into the hallway. Spirefighting was an ancient practice, and one of the elements of it was nothing step, a way of walking so quietly that nothing, not even dust, knows you are moving. She crept closer to her parents' door. Their lights were still on, and she couldn't make out their words over the buzz of the orb lights until she was just outside the doorway. She leaned her door to the ear, her ear to the door, and she realized what the high-pitched sound was. Her mother was crying. There, there, said her father soothingly. Please don't make yourself upset. We've lived with this for so long, and we can wait it out. No one knows. They do. They do, sobbed her mother. I can see it when we go out together. Everyone can tell. It's so obvious to everyone but you. My darling, said her father gently, you know how sorry I am, but I can't change the past. We have had this conversation so many times. You were in agreement with me when we made the decision. It was the right thing to do. You wanted to do it as much as I did. Yes, I did. I still do. But imagine what it's like for me. Nock's mother took a deep, shaking breath. Her voice calmed, and she spoke, spoke more measured and low. You have to think of your son. Next year, he'll graduate and be out in society. He's primed to make a good match with a girl from a good family. But no one will come near him if the truth comes out. No one will want to take on that kind of scandal. 
Nock heard footsteps pacing the room, her father's. So what are you saying? That we turn our family upside down because of gossip? What was the point of everything we went through if you just want to rip everything apart now? Please don't be dramatic, said Nock's mother. No one is ripping anything. I love her as much as you do. But someone has to think about what is best for the whole family. If our reputation is destroyed, it won't be any good for her either. We can set her up in a comfortable place away from all the chatter. She can grow up happy and healthy and someday marry a nice boy from the country, someone respectable but not connected to anyone in town. Your next official trip is to Tannabury. I heard that the village school is actually quite good. She could come home for holidays. It wouldn't be forever, just a little while. I don't know, said Knox's father. The wood floor shook as her mother got to her feet. Knox could imagine the scene on the other side of the wall, her tall father trembling before her slim little mother. This is your fault, and you have to make it right, her mother demanded. If you love your children, you'll do what's best for them. Knox didn't wait to hear his answer. She flew back down the hall on her nothing steps and into her room. She knelt on her pallet in the darkness and clasped her hands together on her knees. Her thoughts galloped wild in her head. Nock had realized long ago that she was not her mother's daughter, but she was her father's. She was sure of that. And it wasn't because just because they looked alike. She knew from the way he smiled at her at tournaments and beamed so proudly when she brought home her reports from school. She was his perfect golden girl. Nock's parents had never once spoken about her birth, and she had never asked. She didn't feel the need to know any more than she already did. This unnamed secret was something passing silently among the three of them, like a pebble one of them always kept tucked inside a pocket. It was enough to know it was there. She didn't need to hold it up for any for a closer look. But based on what she had just overheard in the hallway, their little secret had clattered out onto the floor. Every week, Nock's mother's society's friends, society friends gathered around her family's dining table for cards stealing out gossip as they dealt out their hands. It didn't take much effort to imagine those same gossip sessions happening at some other dining table with her own family as the subject. Well, she just have to give them something else to whisper about. She needed to do something so impressive that it would overshadow any rumors about her birth, something so incredible that no one would dare speak ill of her family. Knox squeezed her fingers tight together. She took another breath and let it out slowly reminding herself of the words that had given her strength over the years, words she had heard spoken by the governor himself. Light shines on the worthy. Yes, light and love and pride and everything that had shone from her, shone on her from time to time, like that night at the Spire Fighting Championship. Nock clung to those words. I can do this. She whispered to herself, they just need a reminder of how much I bring to this family, that nothing else will matter. And so when she came face to face with Pong, she was distracted, racking her brain, wringing it out to think of what she could do to prove to her parents, to everyone, that she was worthy of being called their daughter. That was why she didn't notice the young monk in training trembling as he hid his left hand tight behind his back.